Okay, Romans 6, are we ready? Verses 15 through 23, here we go. What then, are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. (coughs) Father, we thank you for this passage in Romans 6. We thank you, Father, that You've not only freed us from the wrath of God and, and guilt and condemnation, but you've also set us free from sin. And God, we want all of that. God, we want every bit of that, Father. We want, we want to know what that means. We want to know how to, how to implement it in our lives. We want to know all that, that it means to be joined to Jesus. Holy Spirit, be our teacher today. Open our minds in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so you will notice in verse 15 that the question that is asked is almost identical. It's it's incredibly similar to the question that was asked in verse 1. Okay, So so really, this this passage is kind of divided in half. So in verse 1, the question is this. What then are we to continue in sin... Because we're not under law, but under grace. That's the one in verse 15. Are we to continue in sin? Are we to sin because we're not under law, but under grace? Okay. Notice how similar it is to the question in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? All right. So really, Paul is just repeating the question. The question is simply this. All right. If what we read in Romans 5 is true, what do we read in Romans 5? Remember, we read that, that everybody comes into this world shackled to Adam. Right. It's original sin. We're all born broken. Right, And so as we come into the world, we're shackled to Adam's original sin. We're broken internally. Internally, We we don't love God like we ought to. We don't honor God like we ought to. And so that original sin drags us into death, hell, the grave, and the wrath of God. Now, the only way out of that, hear me say this, the only way out of that is for us to be joined to Jesus, connected, shackled to Jesus, to his perfect life, to his death for sin, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, if we're joined to Jesus, he alone pulls us out of death, sin, the grave, and the condemnation of God. Now, the question on the heels of that is, okay, if that's true, if it's Jesus alone that saves me, 
And it's not the law. You know what I mean by the law, right? The commands, right? Don't, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this, do this, do this. You know, a lot of people have a theology that, that their salvation is based on doing those things. I'm a good person. I, I did those things. All right, so if it's not that, if it's just our connection to Jesus, then why don't we just keep sinning? Why sin a big deal, right? I mean, if, if Jesus took care of it, if he died for it, you know, if, if he was raised and I'm connected to him and it's all on him, then, then why don't I just keep sinning? Okay, now the answer Paul gives is the same in both, both cases, verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 15 and verse 16. Paul says, by no means. In other words, absolutely not, okay? And what he's going to go on to explain to us, he already did this in, in verses 1 through 14, and, and now he's going to do it again in a little different way, is to show us that the nature of justification, the nature to our being joined to Jesus Christ means we are changed on the inside. We had a new heart, and we cannot continue in sin. And so the way that Paul phrases the question here in verse 15 is since we're not under the law, right? Under the law is trying to obey God, trying to obey all the commandments. You know, by the way, if, if that's your plan, you know, man, good luck to you, okay? Because you've already broken them, right? You've already broken them, and there's no way to go back and unbreak them. Right? You've already ruined it. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what you do from now on. Your only hope is grace. Okay, Paul says we're under grace. Under grace is we're, we're depending on the riches of Jesus Christ poured out upon us, his work to serve as our salvation. And when you're under grace, you are changed. You are fundamentally changed. You cannot. That's what Paul said in, 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 in the first section. You cannot continue to live in sin. Okay? Now, how's he answer it this second time? Verse 16. Do you not know? Okay, let's stop right there. <laughs> do, you not, do, do you see how many times he uses that word? No. Don't you know? Okay? Every time he asks this question, remember back in, in, in the first section, okay? In chapter 1, he asks the question, well, should we continue to sin that grace may abound? And then in verse, verse 3, he says, don't you know? That you've been joined to Jesus Christ, joined to his death, his burial, his resurrection. And then in verse 6, don't you know, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that, that the body of sin might be done away with? Okay, and now, now he says again, don't you know? In other words, Paul is always reminding us of the spiritual realities. He's always reminding us what is true about you as a Christian. You see, remember we talked about that. That's the foundation of our, of our battle against sin is always coming back to what is true about me and Jesus. Okay? What is true about him and, and what is true about me being joined to him? We've gone to Disney World several times with my kids because my wife's family lives right around there, just, just very close. And so that's been a gift of my, my mother-in-law when we go down there is we'll get a day and she'll, she'll take us to Disney World. And, and this last time we went with some friends and, uh, and they wanted to ride some different rides that we'd never ridden before. And one of them was the Haunted House. And man, I was really skeptical because I don't like anything like that, okay? And I, and I just, but I thought, well, it's Disney World, how bad, you know? And so, but I was in the little car or seat or whatever with Haven, you know, my youngest. And, and I think I was with Avery, too. I think I had both the little girls with me. You know what I did the entire time? I mean, the, the entire ride. You know what I'm doing? It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. That's not real. It's not real. I mean, I must have said that a hundred times. Yeah, it's not real. It's not real. It's not, you know. And I feel like that's what Paul is doing through Romans, right? I mean, he just like pauses every once in a while and says, hey, whoa, whoa. Remember, what, remember what's real. You remember, what, this is not real, this is real. Where are you? Well, you're in Woodrow, Oklahoma, but you're also seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus, right? What's real about you? Well, 
You, 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 you're di- you've died in Christ. He also was crucified. You've been raised up. He's always reminding us of what is real in Christ. What's, what's true about Jesus and what's true about our connection with Jesus. Okay? That's all right. All right. So let's keep going. Verse 16. So do you not know? Now what's he say? Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey? Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. All right, now, here's what's happening. Paul's going to make the case here in just a minute. <clears throat> okay, Some of you may not be on board with this yet. Hopefully, he'll convince you. He's going to make the case that every one of you in this room, is, you're a slave. Okay, Now, I know that really goes against your American spirit, doesn't it? Right? You're right away. No! Okay? But Paul's going to make the theological case. You are a slave. Okay, You're a slave to something. Okay, you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to God, but you're a slave to something. That's what he's going to make the case for. All right. So he's getting to that. And so what he's doing right now is he's going to prove that to you by saying, don't you know that whoever you present yourself to as obedient slaves, that's who your master is. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, let's try to have an illustration. Then we'll back up into verse 13 and we'll remind ourselves of what we learned last week. Okay, but here's an illustration. All right. So let's say you're Walmart. Okay, you're at Walmart. And uh, all of a sudden, you hear over the intercom, clean up on aisle nine. Clean up on aisle. You ever heard that before? You know, or clean up in the frozen food section, right? Okay. Um, <clears throat> now, I've actually been a part of that on the other, you know, I've been a part of like my kids pulling something off and, psh, you know, and, ah, excuse me, you know, and, and okay. So, but, but you, you know what happens, all right? There's, there's two groups of people in Walmart at that point, okay? There's some people, okay, that they don't, they don't reach for a mop. They don't go look for a cleaning supplies. You know, if they do anything, if they're near aisle nine, they just look down to see who made the mess, you know? And then they're on with their shopping, all right? Now, there's other people at Walmart. When they say clean up on aisle nine, what do they do? Immediately, they go get a mop, right? And they start heading to aisle nine. Why? Well, work with me here. Walmart is their master, right? I mean, I know we don't have slavery in, 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 our, in our culture, but to, to the degree that they want to be employed, right, when Walmart says clean up on all nine, they say, okay, I'm going to all nine with my mob, and I'm going to go clean it up, okay? All right? And, and so, so in that case, we know when that person has aisle nine with a mop, we know, hey, they are employed, okay? When, when Walmart calls, they, they listen, okay? Remember last week, okay? So last week, um, some of you didn't hear this. Last, we usually run about 500 in our three services, but last week, because of the ice, we were exactly half. We, we had 249 people in the three services last. So half of you don't know what I'm talking about here, all right? So I need to give you a little review, okay? <clears throat> all right, so verse 13, here we go. And by the way, if you did not get out because of the ice and, and, and you didn't break a hip, we're glad for that, okay? That's kind of our policy at Lincoln Avenue. I, in fact, I had someone call me last week and say, are you having service? And I said, yes, we are, but I said, if... If you at all feel like you are in danger in coming, then do not come. Stay home. We want you safe, all right? Um, but we know there's going to be other people that have already been sledding for two hours. You ought to be at church, all right? So, I mean, that's kind of the way that that works with us, all right? So don't ever feel bad that you stayed home because you felt safe. Unless you're sledding, then, then you ought to feel bad. But, you know, others of you that just don't want to get out, that's fine, okay? Anyway, all right, so verse 13. Verse 13, here we go. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for for righteousness. Okay, so here's what Paul taught us last week, okay? Last week he taught us that sin has desires, okay? Sin has desires. 
All right, so sin calls, if you, if you will, okay? And those desires, we learned in Ephesians 4.22, those desires are deceitful. Ephesians 4.22 says, put off the old man that is characterized by deceitful desires. Now, what do we mean by deceitful desires? It lies, right? Sin will always tell you, you need to do this. This will be good for you. And it's a liar. I mean, it, now it's compelling, it's alluring, it's convincing, but it lies, all right? So sin calls, At the same time, Jesus calls. God calls, doesn't he? God has desires for your life. Did you know that God has desires for your life? This book is packed full of God's desires for you, okay? God's desires that you be grateful, that you be a person of faith, that you be be content, that you be righteous, that you be pure, that you, okay? God has desires and sin has desires. But here's the deal. Sin cannot fulfill its desires unless you give it a member. That's why Paul says, present your members, not to sin, but to God. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's say sin has a desire. Let's say that, um, okay, you're at work and somebody insults you. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? You're at work, someone insults you. Someone, someone says something and gets all over you. What, what happens in your mind? Well, sin comes on the intercom, right? And it says revenge on aisle nine, right? Like, like you need to make this right. You need to say something. You need, you, need to, you need to get back at that person. You need to teach them a lesson, okay? Sin cannot do that unless you give it a tongue, hands, right? It can't go anywhere. It can't do anything unless you present one of your members to fulfill sin's desire, okay? And so... So it's in that context that Paul is saying, don't you know if you present yourselves to anyone, either sin or to God, as an obedient slave, that's who your master is. So you have sin's deceitful desires, and you have God's righteous desires, and you're going to yield yourself to one of those. Which one are you going to pick? Well, I said that in the Fifth Street service. I said, which one are you going to pick? This little kid on the first, uh, first row, he's like, Jesus! And I was like... <laughs> That's right. You know, it's kind of hard for me to go on. It's like, he already got the right answer, you know. (laughs) Which one are you going to pick? Well, which one do you trust? That's what it comes down to. And we're going to unpack this more. But but that's why, as a Christian, you're fundamentally changed. Why? Because you've seen who Jesus is. Right? Your heart's been changed. We'll, We'll get to this in a minute, okay? But that's a little teaser, okay? You've seen what he's done. You've seen who he is. You've seen... And so the believer, hopefully, will trust Christ, okay? Do you trust Jesus or do you trust sin? You know, it's funny that we get pulled into sin so many times. You know, I'm I'm looking across here, and I know some of you pretty well, and I know some of you are, are, you're you're one-timers, okay? What I mean by that is, like, if someone crosses you once, that's it, you know? Like, like we may be on the planet together, but you're done with them, right? Like, if someone lies to you once, that's it, right? Now, I'm not saying you should be that way, but I know that that's some of your tendencies, okay? Isn't it funny that we let sin lie to us over and over? I mean, how many times has sin said, hey, this will be a great idea. You should say this. And you do. And it wasn't a great idea, right? Like, it was horrible. It was terrible. Then you had misery and broken relationships and the consequences. Why do you? Why do you listen to it again? So do you, do you trust Jesus or do you trust sin? And Paul is saying, whichever you yield yourself to, 
habitually is going to reign in your life. Remember, remember last week when he talked about don't let sin reign, okay? And so, uh, again, if, if you're at, the, at work and, and there that, that insult comes, and, man, sin's calling out for revenge, get him back, don't, don't put up with that. And at the same time, what's Jesus saying? If you're a believer, what's he saying? Turn the other cheek, be humble, minister to the person, right? Okay, you're going to submit yourself one or the other, correct? And that, that's happening in our Christian life every day. Man, I was, I was in a Bible study this Wednesday, and we were reading through a book, and, and the book, the chapter was on worry, okay? It was the first part of the chapter. And man, I'll tell you what, I was really cruising, because I'm not really a worrier, you know? And so I was like, yep, people shouldn't worry, you know, and worries of sins, not trusting God. And then the latter part of the, of the chapter was on frustration and irritation. Ah, I got my spanking then, Okay. You know, because as I begin to unpack that, I begin to realize that there are times when things don't go like I want them to. Like, like I'm expecting, all right, this is going to take me 10 minutes, you know. Two hours later, I'm still there, right? And, and I tend to get irritated with that and frustrated with that. And I got my plan for my day, all right? And what is sin saying? Sin saying, ah, this is terrible. You should be upset. You should, you should, you know, you don't deserve this, right? What is God saying? He's saying, trust my providence, Jason, you know. You got five people in front of you driving 10 mile an hour for no reason. Hey, just trust me, you know? Just trust me. Take a posture. Offer your body. I mean, literally, offer your body to me. How, how are we when we're frustrated, you know? You ever see people in, in a line and they're frustrated? <sighs> you know? What, are they, what have they done? They, they, have, they have submitted their, their body to sin. And, and their sin is living out its frustration in their body. Right? Or if I submit myself to Jesus, I'm at peace. I'm looking around. Who can I minister to? You know, hey, God, for whatever reason, I can't get any faster, so I might as well see what God has, right? Who are you submitting yourself to? And here's the interesting thing. It's one or the other. You're either submitting yourself at any moment in time. I mean, this is what Paul says. You're You're either a slave to sin or a slave to God. But it's one or the other. You see, we like to think there's a huge third category that just doesn't exist. We like to think, well, either, either I'm submitting myself to sin or I'm submitting myself to God, but a lot of times I'm just neutral. It's just neither. Paul has no category for the neither. He's got no category for the neutral. He's got no category for just everyday stuff that, you know, is neither one. Now, I, I really think we need to think about this because I want you to see that I think at all moments, at all times, I think right now we're all either submitting ourselves to God or we're submitting ourselves to sin because those desires are continually in our minds and in our hearts. So let's unpack this, all right? So someone might say to me, they might say, well, pastor, I disagree with you. I think much of my day is just neutral, and here's why. I get up before the sun comes up. I get up before any of my family is even awake. I don't talk to anybody. I don't, I don't, I don't see anybody. I get up so early, and, and I grab my coffee, and I grab a donut, and I get in my truck, and like tomorrow, I'm going to go to Tucumcari, New Mexico, and pick up a load, and I'm going to drive all the way back, and I won't see anybody when I pick up the load, and I won't see anybody on the way back, and I won't talk to anybody. All my day is going to be neutral. It's going to be neither. I don't know about that, Okay. Because if your mind works anything like my mind, here's what, here's what would be happening. I'd be getting out of bed, and everybody's still asleep, and I'm getting my coffee, and I'm tired, right? And so what is sin saying? It's saying, why is everybody else asleep? And you got to get up. Man, they don't appreciate you, you know? Boy, they, they're just snoozing away. And when it comes to 10 o'clock at night, they'll have no respect for you. Nobody will be getting to bed. They'll be like, well, let's stay up and watch a movie, you know? And, right? And so all of a sudden, sin is saying, 
Take a posture. Use your mind to feel sorry for yourself. And what's Jesus saying? And by the way, I'm not making this stuff up as far as what Jesus is saying. It's right in the Bible. What's he say in Ephesians 5? He says, in every and all circumstances, be thankful. So what's Jesus' desire for me? Jesus' desire is that I submit my mind and my heart to say, man, isn't it great that I've got a job? And isn't it great that I get to go to the great state of New Mexico and the great city of Tucumcari, you know? And isn't it great that I get all day to, uh, to earn a living for my family and, and have time to think and pray and meditate on Scripture, right? I, I, I mean, that's what Jesus would say, right? And as you're traveling through the Panhandle of Texas, you know what? The radio might be going on and other, other people in your company, you're hearing things. And, and, and you know what sin might say? Sin might say, that old boy that's got the route to Alva, he gets to pay the same as me. He, he slept in till 10, you know, and he, he drives, you know, 80, 90 miles and comes back and, and I'm going to Tucumcari. That's not right. And, you, and sin's going to say, you need to be angry at your boss. You need to, right? What's Jesus saying? He's saying, man, be content. Be content with what you have. Who are you going to obey? You're going to submit your mind to one or the other, right? Maybe you, you get into Texas and, and you got that long stretch and nothing, right? And, and your mind's tempted to, just want to replay the glory days. How about that? Your mind ever do that, you know? What if I'd have caught that pass in that last game? And man, my life, I wouldn't be working at this company. I'd be owning it, you know? And what if, what if I'd have caught the pass and then married that cheerleader? Man, oh, how things would be different. What's Jesus' desire? Jesus desires you forget about that junk. And you use your, your time to pray for your small group or pray for your church, Right? Did you see what I'm saying? We, we've got those desires always in our mind. And, and there's never this neutral area. Is there ever a time? Bonnie Castor, is there ever a day where you wake up and God's like, I ain't got nothing for you today, Bonnie. I, I, don't, I don't care what you do, you know. It's just I got no desires. I, I don't want you to depend on me. I don't want you to trust me. I don't want you to be thankful. I don't want you to be humble. I don't want you. I got nothing for you today, Bonnie. Is there ever a day where, where you wake up and sin's like, you know what, I got nothing either, you know. I'm not going to tempt you to be prideful. I'm not going to, you know. There's never a day when that happens. And so it's one or the other. You are submitting your members, hands, mind, eyes, mouth, emotions, either to sin or either to God. And Paul's case is whichever you're submitting to, that's your master, right? When it calls and you respond, well, you're proving that that's your master. Okay, so the end of verse 16 says, all right, a life lived submitting to sin leads to death. And a life lived submitting to God Obedience leads to righteousness. Now, look at verse 17. Here, here's, here's where the Christians come in. But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, once, what does that mean? Used to be, you aren't anymore, okay? Have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching, this is the word of God, to which you were committed. Okay, so what is Paul saying? Paul said, man, praise God that you used to be a slave of sin, but you're not anymore. Why aren't you anymore? Well, because you're joined to Jesus. That's where this connection comes in. You're joined to Jesus, and when you were joined to Jesus into his work on your behalf, what happened? Something happened to your heart. Do, do you notice? Words are important here. Verse 17, thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. 
What's the difference between a hard obedience and a have-to obedience? What's the difference between a hard obedience and a legalistic obedience? You know, a legalistic obedience says, ah, I got to do that. Yeah, it'll look bad if I don't, you know. I need to go because, right, that's, that's a legalistic. You know what a hard obedience is? I want to. I want to. I want to. Okay, here, here's what God has done. In Ezekiel 36, this was prophesied. This is what it means to be joined to Jesus. Verse 26, Ezekiel 36. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you. And listen to this. And cause you to walk in my statutes, my, my law. Okay? <clears throat> the, Ezekiel is telling us when you're joined to Christ, you get a new heart. Right now, how, do, how does that happen? Again, you begin to see the glory of Jesus. That, we'll, we'll talk about that here at the end. You, your eyes are open to see his glory. Your eyes are open to see all these. That's why Paul keeps saying, don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Why? Because you're a Christian and you should know. You should believe. You, can see, you, you should know that you're joined to Christ, that he's the king, that, that he reigns, that you're connected to his death, burial, and resurrection on your behalf, that he's making a new heaven. You, you know those things. You've seen those things. And so... The promise of sin is empty and the faithfulness of God you believe. And therefore you begin to delight in his word. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 119. Man, this is good stuff. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things in your law. Wonderful things. Verse 30, 38, incline my heart, bend my heart, God, to your testimonies, not to selfish gain. Verse 47, for I delight in your commandments. I love them. Okay, um, verse uh, um, 97. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. See, now, now the word of God serves a different function in our life. We, we want it. We love it. Isn't that true of you, believer? Like, you, you want to know what God says. You trust him. You want to know how to live. You want to know his word. Even though it hurts sometimes and it's convicting, you, you rejoice in it and it begins to sanctify and change you, okay? All right, let's keep going. So verse 19, Paul says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. That's interesting, isn't it? Sin leads to more sin. See, when you were a slave to sin, the, the more you sinned, the more it continued. The more you said yes to those desires and presented your members, the, the more you... My friends, if there's ever an evidence of the spiritual realities, it would be this. I, why, why are people in bondage to sin? You see, that you, have, you don't do that in other areas of your life. If you're going to Oklahoma City and, and you're going to a new store you want to go to, okay? And so you look on the map and, and you find a way to go there. All right, and you, you go that way, and it's the most horrible traffic you've ever had in your life. Like, it is just bumper to bumper. You know, here's where my irritation and frustration come in. Maybe that didn't bother you. That really bothers me, okay? <clears throat> you know, you can't get there. It's just stoplight after stoplight. The roads are horrible. The potholes are terrible. The next time you go, do you go the same way? You find another way. Is that the way it works, though, as a lost person, as a sinner? Take addiction. Think about addiction, Okay? So many of you struggle with that. 
Okay, so in addiction, you got, you got somebody who, 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 who hears the life Satan, hey, quick happiness, here you go, quick happiness, right? And, and you are, yes, okay? It's, it's alluring, it's appealing, and you take it. And, and what happens? Well, if it's, especially if it's things like drugs or alcohol and it's abused, what happens? Man, life falls apart. How many of you know people, life falls apart you know, things are not better. They're worse. They're 10 times worse. But isn't it interesting how appealing it is to go back to that? Why? Slavery to sin. Slavery to sin. Sin has this synergy, creating more sin. Okay? Now look at verse 20. When you were slaves of sin... You were free in regard to righteousness. All right, now we're moving into this slavery part. Now, here's how I want you to think of it, okay? So when you're a slave of sin, you're free in regard to righteousness. What does Paul mean by that? What he means by that is when you're a slave of sin, sin has a hold on you. It's appealing. It's alluring. It it is so captivating that you're drawn to it. Whereas righteousness is not. Man, I remember those days. I remember sitting, not where you were, but in Kansas in a, in a little country church and, and, and hearing these truths, not appealing at all. No, no life, no. I mean, I heard them, I understood them, but I was not drawn to them. Why? Because I was a slave to sin and I was free to righteousness. Right? Now, it doesn't mean that we're forced to sin. It means that it's so captivating we can't help ourselves. Right? It's so convincing because that, that's all we see. Our little guy he, uh, man, I don't know where he got it, okay, but man, he is a music man, okay? And uh, he, if there were ever a case that the no dancing thing for Baptists is not right, it would be this, okay? Because I'm convinced it's like in him to dance, all right? I mean, look, we'll be walking through stores, and he'll hear music, and he, he goes at it. I mean, he just, he can't, I mean, he, he hears that, and then he just, nobody taught him that, he just dances, you know? And, and last night, man, he was grumpy and he was crying and his teeth hurt and he's got still his ears bothering him a little bit and he missed his nap and it was all bad, you know. And he's just crying for his mom and she's trying to get everything ready for his bed. And I was like, here, let me hold him while you get all that ready. And he's crying. I sit him down on my lap and he's just, ah, ah, you know, just crying, wailing away. And I knew exactly what to do. I just on my computer. I just typed in YouTube, went to YouTube, typed in the search engine and said rock and roll. The first thing that popped up, I just hit play on it, and it's just, I'd never heard the song before. It is a rock and roll beat, and it was this, this glow-in-the-dark person doing dance moves. And man, he's like, wah, wah. <laughs> one hand, you know? I mean, he, he just stops just like that. Stops crying, one hand. He's doing this, you know? That song ended. Ah, he gets upset again. I hit the next one, you know? There it goes, you know? By that time, it, about halfway through, his mom came and got him, put him to bed, you know? Now, it's, it, that's a great illustration, I think. Was, anything, was I making him dance? No. But I knew it was so appealing to him, he couldn't resist. So what does it mean to be a slave of sin? Well, it means this. It's so appealing to you. And the things of God are so unappealing. It just seems right. Right? And so sin's music comes on. Hey. You don't deserve that. Revenge, bitterness, unforgiveness. There you go. Man, you, I mean, really, right? Right? That's what it is. Hey, they shouldn't treat you that way. Pride. Posture yourself. Puff up your chest. There you go. That's what it means to be a slave of sin. 
But what, what happens in conversion? You're, you're joined to Jesus, and oh, this is such a helpful verse for us. I, I know I'll come back to it over and over again. 2 Corinthians 3.18 and 2 Corinthians 4.4, they're right in the same column in my Bible, just a couple verses apart, okay? The first one. And we all, Christians, believers who joined to Jesus, with unveiled face, that means we can see now. The veil's taken away. We can see. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. What does that mean? That means, what, what, what's the characteristic of Christians? We see. We see Jesus, right? We see him. And he's captivating to us. That's why Paul keeps telling us, go back. Know who he is. Know what he's done. Know how you're joined to him. And, and that breaks that power of sin. So that when sin plays this music, we're like, no, I think I want Jesus. I'm, I'm going to learn this time. I want Jesus. Isn't that great when that victory happens, huh? Isn't that great? You know, that, that's, that's your Christian life starting to go forward. You know, when sin's music plays and you're like, no, I'm not falling for that again. I know that's a lie. That's a deceitful desire. But I know Jesus, man, he won't let me down. I want him. Jesus, you got my hands. Jesus, you got my mind. Jesus, you got my mouth. Jesus, you got my, the posture of my body. You got me. I'm your slave. But notice in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, in their case, this is unbelievers, those who don't know Jesus yet. This was me for 18 years. In their case, the God of this world, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ. Man, I, I remember that. I remember the Bible being read. There was nothing compelling about it. I remember preachers coming to my house, nothing compelling. And then I remember how sin would offer itself, and I was all in because it, it seemed like that was where life was. But it's because I didn't see. Okay. So, so now we're getting intensely practical. So now here's, here's what Paul's telling us. Paul's saying, all right, you've been fundamentally changed. Now you see. So what do you got to do? You got to keep seeing, right? Because we we're still battling the old flesh. Remember remember last week? This is the, the battle. We're still in this, in this battle. And, 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 and so we have to continue to see the glory of Jesus, trust him, and not offer our members to sin. Read verse 22 again. <clears throat> but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Can we resist? Yes, temporarily. That's how I'd answer that. So what does it mean to be a slave of God? Well, does, does that mean I can't resist him? So whenever I'm tempted to revenge, I'm just using that because it's an easy one. We've already talked about it. When I'm tempted to revenge, do I always say no to that right away? No, sometimes we're not seeing the glory of Christ. We're not knowing. We're not considering like we ought to be, right? And so we take, take the bait. Okay, but here's the thing. I, I think the Bible would say this very clearly. As a believer, you won't stay there. Right? You won't stay there. Because what's going to happen? Your heart's been changing, and God's going to be convicted, right? God's going to be sending his word. The Holy Spirit's going to be inside of you. That's just that whole first John principle that we looked at last week, you know, that, that, that no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has seen him or known him. Or how about verse 9? No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. He cannot keep on sinning. It's been one of the joys of my life 
just to see God not, not let me stay there. My wife was in the last service and probably get in trouble for this, but I said, I said, you know, there's a lot of times in our marriage that I've been completely convinced that I was right about something and she was wrong. And, and I, I, want, I want to stay crossways with her. Like I want to punish her until she gets back to where I believe that she ought to be. And I can't tell you how many times God won't let me stay there. He just hammers me. He hammers me in through the scriptures and he hammers me through his spirit and he hammers me through the misery of what it is to be at odds with him. And honestly, he hammers me through the guys in my life. You know, that's what those accountability guys do. When they see me not where I am, they're, they're instruments of God. Bam, bringing the hammer as well. And every time I, it just comes back to it, man, I ain't staying here. This is miserable. Like I want to be happy. So I submit myself to you, Lord. I submit my posture, my mind, my heart, my fingers to text my wife and tell her, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've been a jerk to you. I'm sorry I haven't loved you well. You know, whoever's writing this deal doesn't matter. But, but I, I, you know, isn't it great that God won't let you stay in sin? That is beautiful. That's beautiful. Look at verse 21. What fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? He's talking about when you were a slave of sin. I just think this is really intensely practical. Paul's like, hey, what'd you get for all that sin? <laughs> you know, what'd you get for it? What good did it do you? T- tell me, tell me some good, some good thing from saying yes and, and submitting your, your body to sin. What good thing came from that? Nothing. Nothing. All right, this is our battle, folks. Right now, and as you leave, and wherever you go this afternoon, and tonight, and tomorrow when you wake up, you got these two desires, don't you? Competing desires. You got sin's desires that are going to be very alluring, very appealing, very attractive, because he's good at this. They're deceitful. There's going to be God's desires. And just just remember this. Whichever you submit your body to, that's what you're you're saying, that's my master. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I I think what Paul's saying is, you may slip up, you may submit your your mouth, your tongue, your eyes, your hands, but not not forever. God's going to be after you. He's going to show you himself. He's going to change your heart. Okay, we're going to sing in just a minute. Our musicians are going to come up. And man, you know, we've been in Romans 6 for three weeks now. This is really where the rubber meets the road, okay? I think what would be really helpful is just for us, you know, whenever I meet with my guys in the mornings and we say the scripture, the last question is always this, guys, how are we going to obey? How are we going to obey? The Bible is not just a book to be thought about and read. The Bible is a book to be obeyed for Christians. So how are we going to obey? And so... I would leave that to you. What is it that you've been giving your hands to, giving your mind to, giving your, your heart to, your emotions to, your, your, your words to? That honestly, it's not God's desire, it's sin's desire. You, sin's been saying, hey, I want this, and you've been giving it to him. And it's time to say, you're not my master. And that thing, you're not my master.
us do that as we pray and as we sing. Father, I, I pray for your help. I pray for your Holy Spirit just to apply the Word of God very specifically to, to our lives. Father, we thank you, Jesus, that we're joined to you, that we are raised up in the heavenlies, that your blood has washed away our sin and given us righteousness. And God, we rejoice in that. And Father, we pray that sin would be broken in our lives and that you would reign as king. And so, Lord, put your finger on areas that we need to, we need to submit to you. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.